Inside Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. And I'm Phil. And there's no Daryl today. We killed him. We deported him. Oh. <laughs> he's, I think he's been in America longer than all of our families. Yeah. So, the reason why Daryl's not here is because this is, our episode's going to be a little bit different this week. We're going to have our kind of regular kind of segment, but for shorter than usual. And then Sly and I interviewed a newly citizenized immigrant. Naturalized. Citizenized. Is that well, the word? The, no, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think naturalized is when your parents were citizens. Yeah, yeah it is. You were born somewhere else. So he was citizenized. That's the official either, term. <laughs> either way, uh, in the last 20 minutes or so of this episode, Sly and I will be talking to Luis. And it was an awesome conversation. So... Yeah, I hope everyone likes that. So for now, you just have us three schmoes talking about immigration. Yeah. Wow. And the one thing I want to point out is we sh- probably should have done an episode on healthcare, but every day is a thousand years when we talk about Graham Cassidy. Yeah. So I have no idea where it stands at the time this comes out. So assuming that it's still alive and very scary, do not celebrate or do not stop calling your senators until October 1st. Sunday, so please keep at it. One thing to note, uh, when we were planning this episode, we were planning an episode like a week ago when uh, this wasn't the big hype train it was, and Ryan's like, we should talk about healthcare again, because Bernie Sanders has his uh, Medicare for All bill and all this shit, I'm like, yeah, let's talk about immigration, so uh, there's not much uh, on the healthcare front besides Bernie's bill, uh, so, you, you know, uh, I, I should eat my words when I said that. Yeah, one week ago, <laughs> you were a sweet summer child, yeah. and now here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Graham Cassidy is coming, but don't let up. Things look good, but not great. So whatever. So today we're going to be talking about immigration and DACA. Yeah. So what do you got for us, Phil? Uh, uh, history teacher Phil coming in here to talk <laughs> about uh, just the the history of anti-immigration in the U.S. Uh, overall. Because I think, I mean, I don't know, maybe some people who fell asleep in school uh, might think that this is a new a new trend that people are against immigrants now. But it really is as old as the United States. And I mean, like, like if I ask you guys, when you think of people hating immigrants, what groups do you think of? Mexicans. <laughs> For, okay, this is going to be the most obnoxiously privileged thing. But when you're talking historically, I always think of the Irish because that's yeah. like, because my, that's just like in my family, it's always been, well, you know, the Irish got it bad too. Oh, you know, you, you know, yeah, that the Polish I, and uh, uh, Greeks were per- persecuted against two guys. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It really, I'm, the, the, I'm not saying in modern times I feel that way at all, but like, you know, that's been the thing that when I was in like middle school and high school that stood out to me is I was like, really? Like, I used to be a minority? That's so and, weird. And I make fun of it, but, but yeah. Irish workers are not like true white. Like, like we talked, I don't know if we talked about it on air, but we, there's always been a talk about what whiteness classifies is. And of, it's funny thing is, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Hispanics are technically Caucasian, uh, but like, they're still like, considered white, which is. 
but like and like Irish were considered white. But th- that that's a sh- that's a shifting term yeah. though. And that's what's interesting is like it it really like if you guys had answered fifty other things, you'd be right because uh, that's kind of like how it goes uh, in. Uh, in U.S. history, but not, in history in general, but I, it's I, like tying back to our racism episode that this is a, a fucking arbitrary thing that we made up as people. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so when uh, Irish is a big one that I think, uh, especially like white people in New York, think of because they're like they a lot of them are Irish or have ties to it. Um, but you know, Greeks, Poles, Italians, but really the original people who were discriminated against. Uh, besides, obviously, Native Americans, African slaves. As far as actual immigration, everyone got is at one concerned. point, like, it's like, except for white Protestant. Uh... Yeah, basically, instead of wasps. Yeah. Well, no, what's interesting though is like you think at least besides white Protestants, but even Germans were hated. German immigrants were were persecuted because the original settlers were lar- were majority English. Interesting. I didn't even know that. So. Point. Oh, and also the reason why a lot of immigrants came here in like the 1600s was to escape persecution that's true too yes yeah but what's what's interesting is like a lot of them came for like religious reasons religious yeah because yeah, like they were like a weird religious fringe group and they're like we gotta get out of here or they're like i want to make money but uh, my point is that i would think and hope and be constantly disproven that based on the foundings of our country we would be very sympathetic and empathetic to immigrants no but the, the, the yeah, idea has always been, really. the idea has always been I hate being persecuted, but I don't mind persecuting other people. Like, as long as I'm in the yeah. accepted group, basically. Yeah. yeah. And especially if you're coming for religious reasons, you're like, like the Puritans were, came here. They weren't like, oh, poor us. They were like, no, we're going to be, a, like, they called the Plymouth Colony, they're going to be a city on a hill, right? Like, we, we're going to be a shining example for the rest of the world, not just the country, but the world. So they, they did think of themselves as better than everyone else, like, from the start, if we talk about, you know, like, the New England English. Yeah, and the reason, the reason, the reason they probably kicked out of fucking... Uh, Europe is because everyone hated them for being a fucking puritanical assholes because they're fucking Puritans. <laughs> yeah, they, they were religious separatists. Yeah. And anyway, so like uh, even as far back as the, as soon as the country is made, you have the Alien and Sedition Acts. People always focus on the sedition part yeah. because we're like, oh, this is a, a, the first time an amendment is up for is, is under fire with First Amendment rights. But the alien part, people forget, is uh, restrictions on immigrants. Oh, I thought it was actually because I had a problem with UFOs at, at the time. Oh, that's actually the alien and X comic oh. from two years later. <laughs> but immigrant rights are restricted right from the get-go. And like I said, uh, a lot of this originally was against German immigrants because they were kind of different than English. They had German-speaking schools. Many of them were not, I mean, none of them were Anglicans, but even some of them were Catholics. They weren't all Protestants. And so uh, there was a lot of actually anti-German, and that actually lasted through World War One and World War Two, obviously, because we're fighting Germany. Basically, because um, <laughs> Germans, uh, I knew, I knew, like uh, uh, you know, we hate everyone at, at a certain point. But uh, Germans were like the one, one of the few groups I thought we were safe. That were safe. Uh, no, just, no, just just yeah, every, English, everyone, really. just, everyone just hates everyone here in America. Yeah, so th- that, that's how it kind of the, a lot of the original anti-immigrant sentiment comes from. And then we kind, if you listen to our Charlottesville episode where I talked about the KKK, the second version of the KKK, that their their rebirth was against immigrants and Catholic immigrants in particular, because this is when you have the Irish coming in. This is when you have the Poles coming in, um, the Italians and the and German Catholics, and they were really discriminated against. Wasn't there also at this time a lot of discrimination against Chinese immigrants too? That, that's a little bit later. Yeah. They, like, so right now we're talking like the... the eight, um, well, actually, around the second KKK, there was against the Chinese Also, too. fun fact, uh, Chinese have a very uh, severe caps on their immigration, which is part of the reason probably... What... Until... Uh, and they were completely banned eventually. Yeah. They, so this is when the term nativism even comes about. And they, it's funny. The English called themselves Native Americans, which is LOL to us today. 
but they're like, we're Native Americans and we don't want immigrants coming in. So fuck Catholics. And they started like the, the Know Nothing Party or the American Party. And they're like, we're going to run for office you, under you this. You know why you call it a Nothing Party? Because I never understood that. Because they were originally, before they became an actual political party, they were like a secret society. And when, supposedly, when people asked them, like, what are your beliefs? Who are you guys? They would just say, I know nothing. Because I, I want to be very encouraged by parties that we don't know anything. What the fuck do we know? <laughs> it's supposed to be like uh, their secret anti-immigrant party. They become a, a major political party, but like not enough to actually win any elections. So. Well, when you say the American party, does that bother you guys as much as it does me when these... Th- when these like groups of assholes come up with these like generic like the freedom caucus like that's so it's obnoxious. because they can they feel like they can tie it to an ideology like no, we're I americans get it. we're not we're not immigrants you know i get it it's like when you name a law like the you know helping poor people law and then it actually just fucks poor people but like <laughs> look they voted for the helping poor people also law. uh in like, the same vein um i hate i just hate that bullshit. i hate that bullshit too i don't worry about any bullshit of uh, naming it what you're against but also in terms of American in general, uh, I hate that. This is a separate topic entirely, but I also hate how uh, like patriotism has basically been co-opted by the right, where you can't be patriotic at all without the assumption being that you must be a right-wing asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. And actually, that's part of the reason I end up often, even not just on this show, but in general, I, I end up defending the U.S. so much that I sound, like, I feel like people are going to think I'm a right-wing asshole, even though I'm not, because I'm like, no, America's great. And people are like, oh, you must be fucking Because the words like, you say are so associated <laughs> with those people. Like, Yeah, 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 it's like you assume I have a, I mean, no one assumes this probably, but it's like it sounds, time, from my rhetoric, it sounds like I have a pickup truck or something, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Confederacy, as, as whatever. I got into a big fight with my, I think it was my dad, after the DNC and the RNC for the 2016 elections. Because I made an argument that the Republicans were so much less patriotic than the Democrats. Because the Democratic convention was talking all about how, like, America's a great place and, like, these are the things that make us great. And the Republican convention was all about how America sucks. Yeah. And, like, everything about it sucks. And he was like, how come the Democrats didn't have flags all over the place then if they love this country so much? And I'm like, but... What? That's uh, well, that, that's why that's why it wins because that's all you need to be patriotic is you have a flag pin on your fucking vest. Is matter. One of one of Trump's big things run, running was I, America sucks so bad I have to fix yeah. it, and it's like I, it doesn't. I I don't think it does. Uh, but like it's it it can be improved, and that's what's always been like the American project has been like improving the country, right, and progress. But I I. Uh, it's like they—they they are the patriotic party, but also do think America sucks for so many reasons. I, I think America sucks, but also it's a military thing too. I think America sucks, but also the things are kind of sucking in general everywhere around the world. Well, that's what I mean. I don't mean like it's an, a, a utopia. I mean like com- compared to the way historically the world has been, and even today the world is. America's great relatively to other human, all, other humans, other humans, human beings, other human. <laughs> You, uh, is that how you say it? The human. So this is so this is why I feel the hasty alien sedition act because uh, yeah, he's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spoil the interview with Luis that is coming up later in the episode, but he talks about how his family came here because they were politically outspoken, and in El Salvador you could be put to death for that. Yeah, yeah guess what? That's At the time. most most immigrants who came here came here because America was better than. Uh, and I, don't, I don't mean this is like a disparaging thing, but people came here because they they're like here I can get a job, here I won't be killed for my political beliefs, here I can be whatever religion I want. Like there are great things, and I feel like when when Trump's like our country sucks and fuck immigrants, it's like no, we've always brought people here because we're a great place. Like the Statue of Liberty literally says. Not give me, send me your best. It says me. It says send me your your tired, your poor, your hu- your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Like 
your your refuse. Like she literally says, like bring all the 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 people who need who are who are you know in the ocean just yearning for help. Bring them here. And like not, we're supposed to be a place that yeah, is and, 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 that is better. The statue was given to us by France because France thought we were so cool because of our liberties and shit. Like, yeah. yeah. Imagine if we were in a different country and, and like a lot of different countries and we hosted a podcast about how shitty our government was every two weeks like, <laughs> that you can't do that in a lot of places. Yeah. Now, yeah. does that mean that I'm going to blindly like that's the thing that I always argue with people about is like, OK, in high school, after we invaded Iraq, I stopped saying the pledge because I was like, I don't just blindly pledge allegiance yeah. to this government. That's weird to me. And I don't like that. Does that make me unpatriotic? I would say the opposite because you're making more a stand. You're making point. using your rights and you're making a stand. Yeah, first if yeah. you yeah, you spent using your first amendment it's like it's like when people are like fuck protesters are so unpatriotic. It's like you know the original founding fathers were all protesters like before they before the revolution like they were all protesting. Yeah. Like that's what they no, did. No, just it, don't don't destroy property, you know, like the Boston Tea Party. Or yeah, uh, I mean it, like the country was kind of founded on dissent and it's always been like a dissent against the government and freedom and individual liberties. So when people are like, you, you shouldn't have the right to protest, it's like, fuck off. I mean, that's what we were. That's what we yeah. should have always been. Anyway, <laughs> despite all this saying that this is a great country, we've always dis- uh, discriminated against immigrants. And I, I've always kind of defended America here because we, when, Just whenever people break, immigrants. <laughs> no, because when people, when people are like, well, you don't see this kind of shit in Norway. It's like, well, in Norway, it's like 99% white Norwegian uh, Protestants. It's like, yeah, they don't have as much racial or immigration tension because they don't have different races or immigrants. And it's one thing that makes us cool, too, as well, the fact that we have so many different cultures inside of us like, compared to Yeah, and, and, and of, of course, it's going, to, it's going to inevitably lead to people being resentful because they're like, well, what if I'm not on top? And like this has gone, like we said, to, to everyone. Everyone's been discriminated against, basically. They had the Chinese Exclusion Act. You had the Emergency Quota Act, which limited um, it limited immigration to like I think I think it was three percent of the amount of people who are already in the country. So for English, since the country was mostly English and 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 WASP, uh, that three percent was pretty big. But if there was only a thousand Chinese people in the country, well, you got you know very little who can come in each year. Do the um, math, Phil. Do the math. Thirty. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Anti-Asian stuff started um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. During World War II, I'm sure everyone knows, uh, Japanese Americans were interned in camps because their their loyalty was questioned. They were like, a f- a fear of sabotage. And like... And like this is this this, concept in general because uh, uh, every immigrant group uh, is always uh, believed that uh, they're not really Americans. Their loyalty belongs to whatever they originally hold to more. Yeah. So that's always, that's always an interesting uh, recurring thought. And that's with even not just racial, but like the when we said this anti-Catholicism, yeah. the fear was if, if if the Pope is supposed to be to Catholics, literal word of God on earth, the fear is what if he says, do something that's against the Constitution? Like, would they go one way or the other? And I, I know to us a lot of times we're like, that's so ridiculous. But that was a legitimate fear that if, if your soul is on the line, wouldn't you go with your religion over your country? Well, that's one thing that I, I've always felt like the concept of the melting pot. I took it as everyone is adding a different flavor to the country, but a lot of people take it as, oh, you should assimilate to what's yeah. already in the pot. You're, you're, you're diluting what makes it great, the pot for great in the first place, I guess. Yeah, but, like, I always took it as it's lots of different things in a pot, and it's more, like, heterogeneous, where there's different pieces in it instead that's, of just, That's like, the salad bowl, not yeah. the melting pot. I know, I know. <laughs> but, yeah. But, like, that's how I took it, is you could you could pick out the different 
you know, the different cultures and the different flavors, but a lot of more nationalist people take it as like, look at, we're American. Our American culture is the amalgam conform to this, assimilate to yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of this, this nativist attitude, like it, it's kind of, again, it's not, this isn't just a U.S. thing. It's kind of like humans are xenophobic in general because there's always the fear of the other. Um, and, you know, as much as this was made fun of during the election, a lot of this does stem from economic fear. Like, low-skill immigrants are going to flood the labor market, and then I'm fucked because I already can't find a job, and now these guys are willing to work for $2 an hour, and I can't uh, do it. I mean, obviously, people on Long Island saying this in their big houses are not, like, fear. <laughs> their jobs are not being taken by illegal immigrants, but it's more like working-class people who have this uh, problem. Or there's also the, the security fear, like in, in World War II with interning Japanese-Americans or starting in the 90s and and 2000s of, of terrorism, the fear of what if they come here, but they're actually going to sabotage us or blow something up. But, like, sleeper agents has been a, a fear forever. It's always been the case. Like, since back yeah, like like in mankind. <laughs> yeah, and that was a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. And then there's obviously just, like, the, just fear of other in general. Like, we can call it racism. We can call it just xenophobia. The, the idea that it, they're weird because they speak a different language, eat a different food, wear different clothes, whatever. Um, in some way, they 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 are strange to me, and when things go bad, the the other is always blamed. But mm. yeah, so immigration hatred is as old as time, and it's as old as the U.S. for sure. Even though we are a country of immigrants, um, there's it's always like after the Irish are done being discriminated against, now they can just say fuck the Chinese, you know. It, it, it is yeah. interesting. Uh, I, I was doing some research on this myself. It's interesting noticing when uh, immigration attitudes started to change in the '60s. Uh, partially because of the civil rights movement, like uh, that, mm-hmm. all the consciousness about discrimination. We were like, why are we discriminating against people coming here? Uh, like we're, we're we're changing our minds about people that live here. Why are people that are coming here too? And like um, uh, because Greeks, Poles, Portuguese, and Italians were all saying like the current system. Because we had until uh, the Immigration and Naturalization Act in 1965, uh, there was a quota system in place. And basically, you had a cap on how many people could come from certain countries, and Northern Europeans didn't have any cap. And that's when we we find uh, uh, how we view immigration now. Like we now we view like if you have family here, it's, we have, we have an easier process to get immigration, and that, and if you have a skills that we want, it's an easier time to get immigration. And if you're a refugee from a country that's war torn or something, uh, we're gonna uh, let you in. And that really was what changed the immigration population too. Until then. Uh, most were uh, white Europeans. Yeah, and that's when Asians became thirty uh, percent of the immigration forces, and Mexicans became the dominant immigration population. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I, I actually, I, I'm always conflicted when I talk about this because I know like the 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 per, the uh, how do I say it the op, the compassionate part of me is always just like I wish borders could just be open and everyone could just come in but like it's actually not pragmatic like it is not th- I don't know I don't know what a good solution is for for immigration in general because you can't just say whoever wants to come live here come live here because you don't have the resources and 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 support for that kind of thing and yeah. there it makes sense to be like people with skills should be able to get here easier because we're we're talking about why let people into society but then you get into the moral arguments where you're like but how can you not let people who are starving in their country, being uh, oppressed in their country, not come to somewhere where they'll be safe? Like, shouldn't that be our role as well? I don't believe. I, and then we I, get yeah, to that whole question. I don't believe in borders, you know? but I think um, the, the way we the American experiment and like the experiments in like Europe and stuff now, they're more modern democracies. Uh, is we're kind of addressing it now, and that's like the question now. Like, uh, if you have too many too much of an immigration force, your population and your, your, your you know your culture can't sustain it. 
but um, I do believe in no borders, but it's going to be a gradual process where we where we could kind of get rid of like these regimes uh, uh, like Syria and stuff like that that create like these massive migrations. And but but even if there's not even if there's not like a dictator killing their people, let's say one country is just wealthier than the rest with a higher quality. Yeah, of but life. my 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 goal is communism, like in the year three thousand or, or three thousand four five hundred. <laughs> right. So like eventually, so there's no country. Eventually, eventually <laughs> I think that's like we have Star Trek, the Earth as one fucking uh, planet, and then we go and fucking conquer a star. Like that'll be my dream. But uh, gradually, step by step, we uh, we we basically. We, we infuse more and more compassion. Like, DACA is the, like the next step in infusing that compassion where people who are here already, we try to make more and more e- easier steps to make them uh, part of the country, even if we uh, aren't going to say anyone comes here can just come here willy-nilly. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good transition. I do have to interrupt for this joke. Do you think the Enterprise was made by private sector or was that made by the government? Well, uh, the, maybe. Uh, <laughs> the the, the fun, funny thing is, like, um, the point of Star Trek was it's, it's a communist... Uh, post scarcity economy, you know, maybe uh, you could argue they needed kind of, like we will need, like they need probably needed communism because that point. But like the idea is always that eventually you reach a point where scarcity is gone and you can have a communist economy. You know, yeah. Mm. One day we'll do a Star Trek episode analyzing the uh, economic <laughs> models shown there. Yeah. I'm always I'm always torn because like I feel pretty strongly about most things, but I've always struggled with where I stand on immigration. It's hard. It's it's not an especially easy topic. especially in a post nine eleven world where you add national security into it as well. That's, but at the same time, I don't feel comfortable from a moral standpoint being like, well, you're you know, oh, you're not a scientist or you're not a doctor. Too bad you have to go home and die. Well, that's that's why there's there's things for uh, refugees, like in general, yeah. like no, but the like, idea but that it, they, we're infusing yeah. more and more, like nice sixties infused it. Hopefully, we get the Dream Act passed eventually. Down infuse more, because Jews Jews were coming to the U.S. Dur- and and other places during uh, before the Holocaust started, and they were turned away yeah. because there was no really there was no designation for like refugee status. That wasn't a yeah. thing yet. So but like, like even but yeah. refugee status could still that's still murky and gray to me though because like what if you just like you said you just live in a poor country. Yeah, so should you You're be not... able to go somewhere else, though? Yeah. Well, that's... I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think you can't expect... The same way we had that conversation about should the U.S. be world police and is it our responsibility? Is it our responsibility to take in the poor of the world? Or not even responsibility, but is it is it feasible? Uh, is it yeah. practical? And it's also what, I don't it's know. Also pointing out that our immigration policy is a lot more open than a lot of other countries. And it's a lot easier to get immigration uh, citizenship here than other countries. But is it easy or just It's easier. easier. That's the thing, like... Is... Uh, it's like we're not perfect but we're making more steps than a lot of other people are than and that's where like 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 poland right now is like zero immigrant yeah. like zero refugees yeah. fuck off like we don't want you brown people it's just and like saying fuck you sly yeah no it's just because recently they they've been yeah uh, they're, they're, not only they're shitty they've been taking a big stand on that they've been very very right wing uh, lately in general the Donald loves Poland right now, by the way. Are, are the Donald, they're like... Poland loves him, like, more like Polish relatives are Poland saying, Trump is so great, he, he fucking... Knows. It's funny, because they, they hate... Ru- all of them hate Russia, and they believe Russia is planning everything, while tr- fucking... Uh, probably Putin plans Trump is fucking... Uh, saying how great, uh, great Poland is, and they buy it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so the reason why we want to do this immigration uh, episode is because Obama had an executive order in 2012 called the, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And or we call it DACA, D-A-C-A. And Trump just sent out Jeff Sessions a week or two ago to announce that they are going to end it. 
in six months unless Congress can do something about it. And then Trump tweeted, why would anyone want to deport Dreamers? Which is like, he's, I don't even know what 4D chess he's playing. But it seems like if Congress doesn't pass the Dream Act, which they've been trying to pass for years, then they may end DACA completely in six months. So DACA is basically a program that's in place for people that came here as children and are they they're not they're undocumented but it's a program to allow them to stay in the country legally and the requirements for it if you don't know you have to, as of June 15th 2012 you had to have been under 31 you had to come to the US under the age of 16 and you had to have been com- continuously resided in the US from June 2007 to the present so this isn't kids showing up now this is you had to have been here for at least five years as of 2012 so at this point you've had to have been here for at least 10 years it's like a it's like a a band-aid measure not like a a policy for the future yeah and you had to you had to physically be in the u.s when daca was issued in 2012 you have to be currently in school graduated from high school obtained a ged or have been honorably discharged from the coast guard of the armed forces you have to have some sort of like education or work background. You can have been convicted of a felony or a significant misdemeanor or more than three of any misdemeanors. And you can't pose a threat to national security. So that's, or public safety. So that's like, if you're in a gang, you can't qualify things Mm. like that. If you have gang affiliations and you have to, the, the fee, the, to apply itself, it's free, but for the background check and the employment authorization, it's $465. So all of these people are paying in every year to renew. And you have to go to like to, you know, they have to know where you live. They have to keep tabs on you. So all the fears that people have about illegal immigrants, they're committing crimes, they're in gangs, they're smuggling drugs. They came here as adults to steal our jobs. None of those apply to these people. Yeah, and what, what, what thing to note about that is that kind of feeds into what you said about uh, people around the world. Like only the best from people around the world would be allowed. Uh, the one criticism from the left is that uh, it only you know only the best of the best are allowed to get into DACA, and you know uh, if you look at this shit like uh, what counts constitutes a gang, like juggalos are trying to be classified as a gang right now. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they're trying to not. Yeah, be they're trying not to be classified. <laughs> but that says uh, fucking the government's trying to classify them as a gang. Like it's very arbitrary yeah. what, what what a gang is and like stuff yeah. like that. So like. Uh, it's the same your problem with uh, how we uh, you know are very selective about immigrants. Uh, some people are criticized the fact that we're very selective about DACA recipients. Yeah. So some other DACA facts is uh, according to Newsweek, there there are forty three million immigrants in the U S. Eleven million of which are undocumented. Uh, es- these are estimates, mm-hmm. and about twenty two percent of the undocumented are under the age of twenty five, according to the Department of Homeland Security. So of those 11 million undocumented people, 1.9 million are eligible for DACA. So it's not like like 20% of them. Yeah. And then, so of, of the people who have had their DACA status accepted, according to the citizenship and immigration services, there's 788,000 of them. And they, so like seven, 7.5%. See, I'm trying to show I can do math (laughs) in my head. So of those uh, of those people, nine tenths of them had jobs already. So that's I think it was ninety two percent had were employed. And before receiving DACA, their average wage was ten twenty nine. Since receiving it, it's gone up to seventeen forty six. So they're making more wages, and that means more money in the hand of in the hands of people that are feeding the economy. Mm-hmm. And 
80% of them, after getting DACA, went and got their driver's licenses. So that's now documented and registered people. And about half of them became organ donors, which I just think is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if the Center for American Progress estimated that if DACA disappeared over the next 10 years, we would lose $460 billion in our GDP. 700,000 people would lose their jobs, and more than 1,800 governors, attorney generals, mayors, state representatives, judges, police chiefs, and other leaders signed onto a letter supporting Dreamers and DACA recipients. Well, while I just want to point out, while it's worth it uh, for, you know, like, uh, liberals, soft hard liberals, for us, that, oh my god, it's a horrible thing, uh, it is worth pointing out that for the right wing, the people who uh, support, you know, ending DACA and shit like that, that's that's a feature, not a bug. Like they want all those seven hundred people to seven hundred thousand people to go uh, jobs to go away. So those those are all open up for white people, basically. Yes, I do yeah. understand that, but I think it's important to note these aren't the lazy immigrants mooching off the system. They have legal tax paying jobs, and, and also so I think these, like saying though the fear is though like yeah they have they have good jobs that I don't have now. <laughs> yes, no, I, I understand that, but I just the reason why I bring it's it up. Point out that immigrants are like some of the most hardworking students and stuff like that, and they're, they're very like yeah, so that's, 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 that's why a lot of people, yeah. people hate them because like they're better at them in school and shit like that. That's also why they hate women because women are better than school too. But like, <laughs> yeah. uh, basically, in the past, like they had, since they were only white males could do anything, they had all, all this free access to jobs they probably weren't even qualified for, but now they actually have competition from the opposite sex in other cultures. They're like, fuck this bullshit. Yeah, I, I understand all that, but I just, the reason why I bring it up is that while that is a valid thing that these are 700,000 people that have their jobs, it's important to note that these aren't the immigrants that are, that we hear the right complain about that. Yeah. Collect they're not sending social their security. Best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they collect social security, but they never pay into it, and they go and they get free health care and like these things that we could do a whole episode on how most of that is bullshit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm not saying I agree with the. By the way, I'm just saying that's. Yeah, yeah, no, but I do think that's that is a valid critique of it for and sure. Yeah. A valid yeah. critique of, of the argument that the right wing won't buy it. Not that it's a valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the main thing that I wanted to point out is the. A couple of the facts, according to factcheck.org, that Jeff Sessions brought up when he announced they were ending DACA, three main things that are just totally not true. He says that DACA recipients are mostly adult illegal aliens, but he doesn't recognize, I mean, that is technically at its face a true statement, but he doesn't recognize that the majority, more than half, were under seven seven years old when they got here. 54% of them were under the age of seven. And... When they say they're adults now, it's, yeah, they're adults now, but they still had to be under 16 when they got here. They, they had to be under 16 when they got here. So, like, yeah, they're adults now, but they weren't adults when they immigrated here. And he also says that, it, that DACA contributed to a surge of unaccompanied minors on the southern border, which is, while there was a surge uh, the year after... The studies have shown that's primarily due to violence in Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. And even if that was the case, if people did say, oh, look at DACA, I'm going to come smuggle my kids in here, they wouldn't be eligible for it. So ending DACA would not stop that at all. And after that first year surge, there was a 40% drop. to uh, It dropped 42% from 2014 to 2015. So, I think the fear is probably that even though DACA won't cover them, it's kind of like when you set a precedent where I'm willing to give you, I can only think this way, I'm willing to give you test corrections on the first test. People are like, well, now 
I, I now that there's a precedent, maybe next time they'll give me amnesty again. Yeah. Like maybe they'll they'll have DACA too. There's, you know, there's, there's always the argument that uh, we're, if we don't enforce the laws, then and it's, it's it's worth talking about because if you don't enforce the laws, you're not going to have them. Yeah, it, it's a real argument, but it's it doesn't mean that it was worth getting rid of it. That's like its thing is like. It's a, I think it's a valid argument, but I don't know if it's worth the cost of... I don't think it's worth the cost of getting rid it's of worth, it. It's a worth yeah. valid argument in a general sense, but, like, uh, not yeah. the case. Yeah, so, like, the U.S. Immigration Policy reports said that it may have driven some to cross the border illegally, but the primary reasons were the surges in violence throughout Latin America. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and he also said... So, he also said that... They need to enforce immigration laws and that DACA was going against them and failing to do so puts our nation at risk of crime, violence, and even terrorism. But, and while we said like, you know, open borders can lead to that, that makes sense. But there have been so, there have been lots and lots of studies that, that immigrants are not more likely to commit crimes than non-immigrants and DACA, especially if you ha if you do commit a crime and you're here as a dreamer under DACA, you're on the books they know about it, and it's a lot e easier to catch and deport them than it is totally undocumented people. Yep. So, to me, DACA pushes people to come into the light, work legally, get better protections of their civil rights, and be on the books, and contribute to the economy while also being kept more in check if they are these bad hombres that Trump is always so scared about, that we now have a system in place to safety net against it, it is worth pointing out though that's uh, one of the criticisms of uh, DACA when they first implemented as uh, executive action by Obama uh, some immigration lawyers encourage people not to sign up for it because it basically uh, it, it would lead to a situation it might lead to a situation that we're in today where it's at the whim of the president and now you're, you're, your information is out there and now you're basically have to cross your fingers and hope that you don't get deported and then when you have someone like Trump as president you're like well I, I at any time I'm, I might be fucked yeah yeah, but if anything, that would be, for me at least, more push to pass the DREAM Act instead yeah, of yeah. not supporting DACA. For sure. for sure. So we talk about the DREAM Act. It's basically just the DREAM Act would be making this a law. Because yeah. right now, uh, if you don't, if you never took civics somehow, uh, executive orders are not law. They are, they are government mandates, basically, yeah. and, the, any, and any president can make or rescind executive orders. Laws are much more permanent than... Than executive yeah, orders. You, you need Congress to overturn them, and you need the president to sign them. All executive orders. All you need is the president's whims to uh, do it. Yeah, and in the real world, it's supposed to be you need sixty votes in the Senate to pass this law, and then it would go to the House and everything. Right. It's but a much bigger process. It's a much bigger process, but you know, we're not. I'm not going to talk about reconciliation. I promise. This isn't a healthcare episode. <laughs> but yeah, so because Trump could just sign an executive order rescinding DACA, that's why. Hopefully, this gets people's shit together to really push to pass the DREAM Act. Yeah. We can all hope. We can all dream. The job done. So welcome back, everybody. We have a very special guest. We have Luis. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for talking to us. So we're going to be talking about immigration, which is a very hot topic right now and affects lots and lots and lots of people. So you you are an immigrant, right? Yes. Cool. So 
where did you you came from El Salvador, right? That's right. That's all the backstory that I know, so I will stop feeding you answers. So what age were you when you came here? Uh, the first time I was just a newborn baby. I was born in uh, January of 82 in El Salvador, and we moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin just a few months after that. Oh, okay. So yeah. it obviously wasn't your decision. <laughs> right. Why did, uh, why did your family choose to come here? Uh, well, in the uh, 80s, uh, before I was born, my parents were living in Guatemala, which is right next to El Salvador. Uh, my dad was going to college there. And um, there was a lot of uh, civil war kind of stuff happening at the time. Um, and um, my parents decided it was not safe to live there anymore. They had some relatives that were involved in politics. And pretty much if you were involved in politics, you probably ended up dead. So they're like, nah, let's get out of here. And so my, one of my mom's sisters was going to college in Milwaukee, and that's why they chose Milwaukee. It wasn't just a random pick, and uh, we moved there. Okay, so were you able to come here because you had family already there? I'm sure it helped. Um, and then obviously during the war, and it being the 80s, I think we, uh, we may have come with like, um, I don't know if it was refugee status or you know political asylum, one of those two. But we moved back, though. We, we went back 11 years later. Oh, okay. I guess I should probably just fast forwarded a little bit there, but but yes. <laughs> yeah. So so when you went back to El Salvador, did you lose that status of like being like legally allowed in America? No, no. So I was always a I was a I was a I had a green card. I was a resident the whole time. Uh, we went back. My dad had gone back. You know, the war ended in uh, I think ninety three, and my or my ended ninety two, and my dad went back to visit his you know his, his parents to live there. He's like, oh, it's great. The war's over. Let's go back. I remember being, you know, just a kid being like, I don't know if this is a good idea. But we did. We moved. We all moved back. And uh, we lived there from my when I was 11 till 18. So I kind of had the formative years spent there. Okay. So when you came back here, did you automatically have a green card? When I came back the second time? Yeah, the second time. Or when I, yes, I had a green card still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost my green card. Yeah. I kept okay. dual residence. And back then, green cards didn't expire like they do now. It was like a lifetime thing. Oh, interesting. Uh, now you only have 10 years. You have to read every 10 years. You... So then when it, but then after, uh, post 9-11, uh, I, I think that's when it all changed. Green cards did start to expire every 10 years. So uh, that's when I decided to apply for a citizenship. You, you had a chance to apply for a green card, but you chose to apply for citizenship because it was, it was like 500 for a green card, 1,000 something for a citizenship. Pretty much, yeah. That was kind of how it went down. My green card, I, I guess it was, this was in 2000, uh, it was like six years ago. I, uh, yeah, I was coming you know, coming up on the renewal, and at the time I was just working as a bartender, part-time bartender at that, and so I wasn't really making a lot of money. But either way, I decided, you know, I should probably just apply for a citizenship instead and, you know, not have to deal with it anymore. So uh, I told some friends, and I was kind of just casually told them, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be a little expensive, but whatever. They're like, oh, screw it. We'll throw you a party and we'll raise the funds. And pretty much in one night, they raised $1,000, and that was kind of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it is really cool. What was the process like for getting your citizenship? First, you, uh, you know, you, I guess you, you, you apply. I don't remember the, every single step, maybe in order, but, you know, you also you apply. And then uh, a couple months later, you have to go in and, like, do like a, a thumbprint thing and it's that kind of goes through like the fbi i'm pretty sure and they kind of check your records uh, first of all you can't uh have a criminal record 
you can't have left the country in a certain amount of time. I think you can't owe any taxes, like back taxes at least, or, or you know, any kind of illegal stuff. And so luckily, I, you know, I didn't have any of those things, any problems with that. So that was pretty, uh, pretty smooth sailing. Although, you know, you never know. I mean, whatever. I didn't know how it's going to really going to work. I, I remember thinking like, you know, this could be, they could just be like, nah, we're good. Or, you know, we already have enough. All Salvador people here, you know. Did you ever have any, did you have any problems because of the time you spent in El Salvador when you were a teenager? No, no, that didn't, because by, by the time I, I reapplied for a citizen, for a residency, I'd already been here, I'd been back for uh, 10, 10 years, maybe, so I was fine. Okay, cool. So that, it didn't really matter, because yeah. it was like a beforehand thing. It didn't matter, yet. Cool, so when you, when you started to look into like applying for citizenship and stuff, were there any resource, like, did you have any available resources or like places you could go with questions or? Well, I got lucky at the time, like I said, I was working as a bartender and, um, a friend of the bar is, uh, was, uh, this guy who I guess was working as, um, I don't know what his title was. I don't know if it's paralegal or something, but his job was pretty much dealing like, you know, dealing with things like, like helping people, uh, you know, apply for residencies or, or citizenships. And so he kind of just walked me through the whole thing. You know, he, he, he gave me the forms. He told me where to mail it to and, you know, how, how to, you know, what I needed, what I didn't need kind of thing and kind of saved me a lot of, uh, of figuring it out. You know, that was pretty sweet. Definitely. I, I got lucky, I should say for sure. So do you know, I mean, you might not, but do you know if there's like places people could go to offer that kind of help if you don't get lucky? Yeah, there is. I mean, there's there's like um, immigration attorneys, I guess you can go to. Um, I'm assuming the library, you know, there's probably websites, you know, when you're when you're looking to apply. I, I, it kind of it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of information and paperwork you need, but mm-hmm. if, yeah, it's, it's all there, and especially if you're applying for a citizenship. I think you by then you have to have already been a resident. So uh, you probably have a Social Security card and, uh, you know, like I said, a a license or whatever pass you know so it's a little bit easier that definitely makes sense yeah uh so you said that you know people helped you uh raise the funds so like in general how, like how was the attitude towards immigration when like when you first got here and how does it compare to the attitude that might be around now like what do you think about that i, I definitely think i'm i don't know if it's a unique case or not that you know i had already lived here as a kid and so i didn't have an accent and uh I uh, I don't particularly look like a typical Latin American kid, I guess, or I didn't. Maybe I mean just a little taller and and a little lighter skin color and uh, that you know that kind of stuff. I think you know I didn't I didn't have to go through a lot of the bullshit that people do because of that. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, I, I lived in Kennesaw for the first few years I lived here, and that's definitely not a place that you want to be a minority in, I guess, always. But I never I never had much issues with it really. Kind of just got got by, I guess, and <laughs> you know. But my, when I started college, almost immediately, so also that I'm not surrounded by a bunch of idiot high schoolers. I was with people that you know, a little bit older, a little more mature. Uh, a lot of my friends were all from different countries, so uh, that I think was a little culture readaption, but but not too bad. And do you feel that same kind of way now? I mean, obviously, there is a different attitude out there. I think, or or people are. Are, that are more against it are more outspoken than they used to be. But I think that there's a great like community of folks that, that will, oh, you know, stand against it forever, you know, for now, at least I don't know how long that'll last, but I think, I think forever, hopefully until it, you know, 
he solve it or or whatever happens. But uh, yeah, I think I think what's bigger now is the support community than there used to be, really. As someone who uh, went through the process of uh, being in this country and then going through a citizenship test, what do you think uh, should happen to people who are undocumented now? What should happen to them? Yeah, what kind of immigration reforms should we like be looking for? Because like you said, there's more support webs, but there's also more like outspoken against it. How do you think we should yeah. approach... You know, you said until we fix it. What do you think we should do? <laughs> I know, obviously, I'm not expecting... Um, when I say fix it, I guess I mean, like, people's attitudes about it. You know, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't... Uh, I guess I don't really have any solutions for the way we do things here. It's... Um, I don't know. I mean, I definitely don't... I, I, I'd like to say I don't believe in borders, but, but I don't know what that means, really. I mean, it's never going to be... There's never not going to be a border in my lifetime, I don't think. Um <laughs> Because, like, we've messed around, like, in the 80s, we gave amnesty to a lot of people, like, if yeah. they came forward, you know, in yeah. other times, you know, now we've been deporting a lot of people. So are you more sure. on the amnesty side or more on the do it legally or get deported or kind deported, of side? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, and I say, even though, but let me backtrack, even though it was easy for me, I was a kid, I was a baby, I didn't have to go through a lot. My parents definitely didn't have it easy. My, you know, my dad went from being a, a veterinarian to working at a McDonald's, you know, the, you know, when he got, when he got here, my smooth sailing for them as adults kind of thing. And, and my parents both had to learn English from, you know, watching television and, 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 you know, living in and kind of a shittier part of Milwaukee. So it wasn't like it was that easy mm-hmm. of a lifestyle, <laughs> you know, yeah. they worked their way there, obviously, you know, out of it. But, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know for a fact how easy it was back then, or, or how you know if they if they you know if they got any any um, problems from people or or you know attitude. I'm sure there were people that that were were shitty towards them back then. But you know, I was lucky enough to kind of not see it, I guess, or, or you know, able to like pretend like it was, didn't really happen. I think. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if things are really any better now or then. Kind of thing. I think immigrants have always had a tough year, though, in America forever kind of thing, you know, since the beginning of immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a whole attitude, you know, it's a whole, like, mindset, really. It's what it is that we need to change. It's not just the law. It's, it's, it's the way we see people, you know, humanity. Yeah. I was saying people aren't coming. You no, know, people don't come into the country just to, to be bad people. You know, they're obviously leaving. They're coming the, for the same reason people have been always coming here because they want a better life. And it's not that they're... No, nobody's. No, I don't think anybody's coming here to, to say like, let me take advantage of the system. It's like, let me hustle until I can, you know, make some money and 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 help and you know raise a family or whatever. So, what are some ways you think we could help change people's mentalities? Boy, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think people, I don't know, I don't know how you do that. That's a good question, though. Um, question about the ages. <laughs> yeah, if, if it was yeah. easy, ideally we would have done it. 500 yeah. years ago sure i mean just be cool to everybody and you know? i mean it sounds easy enough <laughs> um, yeah don't be an asshole i don't know people are too worried about you know things changing and you know english being the only language or whatever and i don't know to me it's a little bit silly to think that things aren't going to evolve you know the way they they always have yeah yeah people, people always uh, act like things should never change when things always change that's the way life is mm-hmm. exactly just accept i mean and obviously People some, sometimes there's some crappy change like here in Atlanta where it's all condos and I'm like ah you're doing it wrong you know like 
what are you yeah. doing with this? You know? So, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. It's, it's, it's getting the right people and, you know, maybe younger people or, or just, you know, a different kind of visionary. I don't think anybody wants to step up to the plate though. It seems like, and be that person. So when we talk about like immigration reform, like obviously, you know, you mentioned stepping up to the plate and stuff. Do you mm. think that, when as far as like government policies and stuff, do you think yeah. we should be talking about immigration reform at like a local level or a state level or a federal level? Because if it's, you know, I feel like it the people get lost sometimes when they we talk about they sure, become statistics. Sure. But at the same time, yeah. you can't trust every state to have the same support needs. Like the you know just the you talked about you know programs of the library and stuff. If states don't have it. You know, when does the federal government have to step in or when should they not push it? You know, where do you think the change should start? From the, you know, from the very beginning, for sure. You know, like when people, when people come here, just pretty much walking over the, across the border, however way they get here, flying here, I don't know. They just need to, there needs to be some programs, I think. Yeah, that's gonna, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's language. Maybe it's like, you know, schools or whatever, uh. It seems like a lot of the stuff you're saying is, you know, that you got lucky that this guy knew a lot. And if everybody knew a lot, I don't, it sounds like everybody would be lucky and then we wouldn't have to have these problems. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I've always, I I mean, I got lucky, but I also already, I made those connections. I, you know, I I, I put myself out there and I I don't ever want to say things like pull up yourself by the bootstraps. Yeah. I know that's bad. But but if there's part truth to that, I mean, mm-hmm. you do have to put in the work. You know, you do have to hustle. I had several jobs at the time. You know, like I wasn't just working as a part-time bar. You know, always and, and not, not now either. You know, kind of thing. Like there is there is a lot of hustle that an immigrants hustle. That's what they do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that we should respect, also. You know, and 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 reward it for sure, because um, you can't do it forever. <laughs> you can't have four jobs forever. It's just gonna kill you anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess just respect for the hustle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's I mean, I think that's, you know, people constantly yell about how immigrants are taking our jobs, but then they yeah. don't give them credit for doing these jobs. Yeah, they're, they're both lazy and uh, stealing our jobs. Yeah, yeah, like you can't really it doesn't make sense for them to be both ways. So I think that that's something that's really easy to forget in the grand. Yeah, state. well, nothing that the Republicans say makes sense. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's that, yeah. too. <laughs> I don't know how to fix that problem. Yeah. So do you have any opinions or thoughts on the dream act or DACA? Um, well, it didn't, I, I don't have any direct opinions because I don't have any experience myself with it. I guess, you know, like obviously this program seems like it's, it's a, it's a good thing to have. And there's no reason to, to stop doing it, especially because that's pretty much the solution that I was talking about. You know, like mm-hmm. it's helping folks, uh, immigrants get educated and, and have opportunities, you know, and give them the opportunity to hustle, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that's obviously, I don't understand why they would stop doing that. Well, like you said before, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So any final thoughts? Go, you know, go, go to, you know, if, if you have the opportunities, visit some of these countries, like realize how those countries, even though people leave them because of political reasons or, or economic reasons, they're beautiful and their life. I mean, I went back for the first time in 15 years to El Salvador last fall and forgot how amazing it was. I could have stayed there forever, really, you know, like even though I know I could have ever 
I don't maybe not ever, but I you know I knew it wouldn't be easy to get the, where I am now just if I left everything. It's you know people should really need to appreciate that I think and uh, learn about other parts of the world and you know know that nobody nobody's coming here because they want to leave where they're from. You know they don't want to leave it. They they have to. I think that's a big thing to to keep in mind. You know no nobody's just coming here because they want to work their asses off and and you know suffer and whatever. They have to do it. I mean I heard there was like a huge Guatemalan population in Alaska. Like, that can't be any kind of easy. I yeah, that's quite the jump. They do because apparently in Alaska, you know, they, they don't have a lot of, you know, they, they have a lot more opportunities for immigrants, or they had. I don't know if they still do anymore. So if you can make it up, if you make it all the way up there, then, you know, you're, you're, you're safe kind of thing. You know, you're, I think, I'm sure the same way as you guys do politically, but, but I don't really, I think it's beyond politics now. You know, it's, 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 it's human, it's people and that we need to, figure out better and and i you know i was telling a friend the other day like yeah we could i could argue all day with a republican but there's gotta be some middle some middle you know non-extreme person somewhere in the middle where it's like all right i get it whatever that's that's how you think about spend conservative spending or whatever sure but you know you you can't just all be one way i think you know at least too far too too far Yeah, we see that with healthcare. We see that with immigration. Is people forget that these are people, yeah. you know, like they're not yeah. just yeah. statistics. When we say millions of people will be affected, or like the eight hundred thousand people under DACA, like those are real people. With everyone has a story, yeah, yeah. you know, and everyone has a reason for yeah. being. I mean, that's an entire, entire like, entire big, you know, major city. I, I don't know, maybe not major city, but it's an entire city, you know, of people. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like you wiped away. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for talking you. to us. Yeah. That you was bet. really great. Yeah. You know, one cool th- but one cool thing that I should b- let you guys know. If you ever, you know, down in Atlanta, and, uh, I throw a, or co-host a once a month party. Uh, it's a dance party, but it's all Latin American stuff. We do it at, uh, at like dive bars, pretty much. Um, and it's amazing. It's this next, this tomorrow is the one year anniversary. Do it once. So once a month. And um, we won like a creative loafing award for one of the best parties or whatever. And uh, it's literally like when you're there, you're in a different, you're, you're in Latin America when you're there. It's pretty awesome. That's, that's awesome. That's not cool. So, and what's, if you want to plug the bar. Sure. It's, it's, it's at uh, MJQ. Uh, it's on Ponce. So, you know, MJQ is a pretty famous dance club place. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. As, as of right now, it's every third Thursday at MJQ. It's called La Choloteca is the name of the party. It's music from all, all all over all over the all over Latin America, all different styles. You know, it's not just you know, it's it's everything, old and new stuff, and rock and roll in Spanish, and you know, everything. So it's it's, it's really it's really awesome, really great experience. That that really sounds awesome. I wish I didn't live yeah. in New York. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty far out. <laughs> cool, but yeah, hopefully some of our listeners will check it out. It right. sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So awesome. that's it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Buckingham Palace, a capital hill. Blood of my ancestors had that old bill. With an ink you print on your dollar bill, oil you spill. Thin red line on the flag you hoist when you kill. But still, we just say, look how far I come. Hindustan, Pakistan to London. To a galaxy far from their ignorance. Cause immigrants, we get the job done. And we're back. I hope you guys really liked that interview. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool to be there and be silent. <laughs> and the background. I constantly. was talking to the audience, but okay, uh, Phil, fine. <laughs> I, I just wanted to add a little bit to what our friend Luis said. 
Uh, we're friends now. Um, <laughs> but because um, uh, I'm an immigrant as well, uh, uh, former immigrant, uh, citizen, whatever. I'm a citizen now. <laughs> former immigrant, recovering immigrant. immigrant. <laughs> yeah. I, I at least I passed, and uh, the records are gone. But because uh, uh, when, when I first met Phil in like fourth grade, I was still an immigrant, and I was an immigrant for uh, I forget when what age, like sixth grade, seventh grade, I became. I think you're always an immigrant. Yeah, yeah. it's just that you are. A, as, you weren't even a citizen. Uh, yeah, not a citizen. I don't know whatever the term is. The between man and uh, uh, immigrant. I don't know. Between man and monster. <laughs> uh, but because um, uh, uh, he Luis talks about a lot how he was lucky, and I was really lucky too because my 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 parents uh, both uh, applied for citizenship, and they both got it, and I I got it just by being a kid of theirs. Uh, so I didn't have to go through all the uh, effort of uh, getting citizenship. My dad got doesn't even fucking speak English now, and he had to get citizenship uh, being a Polish guy who came and fucking speak English. I, and I also just wanted to say to add on to uh, what Phil was saying about how um, you know, like uh, Phil says, uh, he talks to people about how he loves America, and everyone's like, "Oh, you must be a right wing asshole." And it sucks because uh, the right wing has polluted those words so many fucking times. Because if you say you love America and you love freedom and you love all this shit, like. They made those words feel so hollow because they, uh, they you know they uh, say those words without actually loving any of the stuff that involve those words. That just feels so hollow when you say. So now just your automatic assumed to be a right wing asshole. But even when I was a fucking uh, immigrant, when I wasn't a citizen, I always considered myself an American. I never really considered myself a Polish citizen. I always considered myself an American, and it's it's an important part of my identity. Yeah, I, I still think America is the best country in the world, even though it's not perfect, and I think it could be a hell of a lot better. I think it's important to recognize that even though we're trying to fix it and we're complaining about the government every fortnight and like this show exists to kind of spotlight some of the terrible parts of politics, we do this because we believe America can is great. If we did, yeah. we would just we we would be just cynics and we would just be like, that's just the way it is. It sucks. Yeah. It's funny because I, I agree with, I, like, I agree so much that I'm like, do I even have to say it? But I'm like, oh, actually, we spend every two weeks just bitching about how the country sucks. But, like, I, I agree with you that I, I feel so strongly about this because I'm like, America has always been just such a – so great for the world as – as both ideologically and mostly politically, yeah. uh, depending on how we talk about it. But, like, it, in, and it should continue to be this way. And I feel like when I see people taking, like Sly said – great ideals and just making them watered down and diluted with shit like it, it's my job to use my my freedom to speak and say things like we need to improve and like how can it's crazy like that we get labeled often as like being unpatriotic because is there anything more patriotic than trying to improve yeah, our the country, place our, that you're our in? Ideals, like, like isn't that defending uh people uh, accused by the law and protesting government uh malpractices like those are all what our founding fathers did to the british government and they made a constitution built so that we can do the same thing and build build upon the constitution yeah we talked about this before the show how like people are so like right-wing people are so against protesters right now because they disagree with what they're saying but like the they loved them in 2010 they loved them i mean the country is founded on protest like the 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 founding fathers were all founding the country on dissent they were like we have to protest. This is our, our, our natural rights that we were born with are, are being infringed and laws upon. laws were built to make sure those laws don't get infringed upon because they knew how much it sucks. It sucks in a yeah. country yeah. where protesting isn't allowed, where criminal, where, where whatever the judge and the police say against you is taken as, as, as word of law, like by, by any uh, say on your part. That, that sucks. That's a shitty country to live in. 
And the thing that that amazes me is that it's so tragic that we're watching a lot of democracies and a lot of governments, even ones that weren't super democratic, but like we're seeing a lot of governments get crushed by dictators nowadays throughout the world. And our constitution and our system, while flawed and has issues going on right now, it's amazing how much power we still have. And how long it's lasted this way, because in the time that America's existed, I know we always say like, oh, we're a new country, like... Every country in Europe has been a dictatorship even, three times since even, then. Even like, the fathers predicted, like, we will have revolutions regularly. Like, Thomas Jefferson believed that, too, which, you know, maybe we'll be due for one eventually. But uh, thankfully, so far, we haven't uh, needed one yet. Well, the Civil War. Oh, yeah, Civil War. So one, we have one. We have one <laughs> That's a pretty bloody one. We have yeah. one so we're, but this is a so long time without one. And yeah, like, no, I, I still think our constitution is the best constitution ever written. And one of the most, one of the best written legal documents in history. I I agree, but I think it, it like I I don't want to be one of those people who's like a purist who's like it can't be changed because it's meant to be amended. No, but that's so what like, makes it so great to me. Oh yeah, is then, then yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think it was the greatest at the time for like by a mile. I do think like countries like France have a better one, but that's because like Phil said, they overthrew their republics multiple times with monarchies. Like I think yeah, they wrote it fifty years ago yeah. after Vichy France. But like the fact that the fact that our constitution comes with ways to change it and we immediately made 10 amendments to it is awesome like the bill of rights just is an admittance that it's not good enough already and that we need to keep evolving it yeah so like america's great and we should always welcome immigrants to come to this great place and i don't think i think all we can all agree listening maybe uh that daca is something that is is helping a lot of people be part of this country yeah and we should continue to encourage people to come here. Maybe, like we said earlier, like you know, you can't obviously have just open borders, but at the same time, we want to have a, a a real process for people to come here and live better lives and take part in the American dream. Yeah, yeah. Because it's saying that you live in the greatest country in the world and not letting anyone else come is a really <laughs> yeah. selfish, shitty thing to do. Yeah. <sighs> well. So that that was uh, okay. So. I really hope you guys like this episode, and I really hope you like the interview. If there's any other topics you want us to talk about that maybe we aren't experts in at all, because obviously we didn't even have strong suggestions on where to go with immigration at all. So I would love to talk to more people about, you know, different issues that you guys feel strongly about. So you should join our Facebook group, Oops, I Talk to Vice of Issues, and let us know if there's anything you really feel strongly about and think you could add to the conversation. And... While you're on the internet, you should also rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And I want to give a quick plug to the Comrade Radio Network. Uh, I do, I want to mention an episode of the Comrade Radio Show that just came out last week, sometime recently. And it was with Vanessa and Helen and Valerie. And it was all about, like, the history of etiquette and how it's changed over time. And even though etiquette is maybe not as heavy of an issue as immigration it's kind of structured similar to our yeah that could that could have been an episode on our show <laughs> yeah it's about like the history of it and they're basically reviewing one of emily post's books and it's called emily postmodern and i think that title is wonderful so everyone should check <laughs> that out and all the other shows at comraderadio.com cool so thank you guys cool. for listening to oops i talk politics i've been here since i was born <laughs> I've been an alien and a seditioner. <laughs> I've been a second generation immigrant.
and uh, I'm still waiting for I was waiting for Daryl. Oh. <laughs> Oops, I ended the podcast. Red Radio. Dot com, independent podcasting network.